with God's pure love, lovelessness or unlovableness is seen more clearly. When we live generously, being greedy is exposed. When we live because kindness matters as kind and good people, we see unkindness and ungoodness more clearly. So our job is not to nitpick because God is the judge and we are not and never have been and never will be. Our job is to live out light and love. And that in itself exposes what's going on. Imagine the world as a minefield, ready to derail your walk with Jesus the second you make a misstep. Pastor Daniel shows us in Ephesians 5 how the Lord promises to give us wisdom. And when we embrace it, that light will illuminate the darkness around us. We can have faith that God will help us to traverse this messy life, no matter what may come our way. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 9, with our continuing study entitled, The Messy Wave. It says that it's not about association, it's about participation. Paul is not encouraging the church in Ephesus to be kind of pharisaical and exclusivistic. He's saying, don't participate in it, not don't ever associate with them. There's an old saying that you hear in church that we should hate the sin and love the sinner. That's pretty solid because Jesus was fully God and fully man, but he wasn't a sinner like all of humanity was. He associated with us. He just did not partake in our rebellion. And we're called to find that sweet spot God does not want us as a church to get into a little holy huddle and we stay on our own and we just, oh, all those people out there are bad and we're really holy right here. God doesn't like that. God wants us just like he is to become fully identified with our community yet not partakers in the ways that our community and our world is in rebellion against God. We associate, we do not participate. We are part of our world but yet we stand unique within our world. It doesn't say don't associate. It says don't participate. Later on, he's going to say don't have fellowship with the darkness. Again, that word fellowship, it means commonness. Again, it speaks of participation, communion. But we're still called to live as part of this world. And what's beautiful about this generation this 21st century Christianity that is, that is emerging right now is that the church is going back on out into the highways and byways and saying, look, we live here. We're not going to partake in everything, but we are going to associate with our community so that we can win them for the gospel. For a long time, we didn't have to do that. Why? Because people were just, hey, we're going to go to church. How many of you have young people who are like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with church? A lot of us. I was that way. I was never going to go to church. Why would I want to go to church? And that characterization of the church keeps young people away. So what are we doing? We're not going to say, well, they should just come. I mean, we're here. We have our doors open. No, we're going to go out there. We're going to go hang out with them. We're going to get to know them. And we're going to invite them over. And that's exactly what God is doing in our midst, isn't he? 
And not just young people, all sorts of people. It's not just young people who don't want to associate with church. Older people are exactly the same. I don't need that. Why would I need that? So we have to go on out and, and associate with people, grow with them, learn of them, hear about them, and then, but don't participate in the things that are rebellious. And then invite them back and invite them into the family. So we are to walk in love, but we should not be deceived. Look at what happens in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit, verse 9, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now notice, first we were told to walk in love. Now, verse 8, walk in light. Walk in light. He says, you were once darkness. Notice that. He doesn't say you once did darkness. You were darkness. That's a powerful concept, isn't it? What it's saying is that not only did we do works of darkness, at our very nature, we were darkness. But notice what it says. You were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of light. We used to be darkness, now we are light. So we should walk as children of the light. Do you realize that? That's the gospel. The gospel is not, I used to be bad and now I'm good, like God makes bad people good. We like to say it's God makes dead people alive. Or in these verses, God makes dark people light. It's a complete change of perspective. We used to be darkness. And now, because of Jesus, we are light. And we should walk as children of the light. And if you're here today, and many of you are, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You're here. Maybe you're in this, the sanctuary. You're in our chapel venue. You're watching online. You're here right now, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And what that means is that you are dark right now. Your nature is in total, complete rebellion against God. Yeah, you might say, well, how is that possible? I do some good things. Listen, just a few good pieces of fruit on a tree that's rotting at the core does not mean it's a healthy tree. Good actions can come from anything. But at your core, you are darkness. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you say, look, I'm going to let Jesus forgive my sins. You were once darkness. He's going to make you light. He's going to come. Light is going to invade that darkness. And push it away. The beautiful thing, you ever walk into a dark room? When the light gets turned on, does the light say, excuse me, darkness, can you move out of the way, please? Does that happen? Like, excuse me, can I have this little area right here? No. The light completely dispels the darkness. And that's exactly what Jesus has done and is doing in your life and in my life. But this little light of mine that we're going to let shine is not some internal light that we need to kind of find. It comes from Jesus. It comes from you and I, like the moon, reflecting the light of the sun. You and I, we cannot drum up light. It is a reflection of who God is. So listen, if you're in here today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You need to be made light in Christ. You want it. You're saying to yourself, I don't want to be darkness. 
Or, no, some of you in here do, like, yeah, I like being darkness. But you know what? That's just a facade. You just think people are going to like you because of that. But nobody likes it, and you don't like yourself that way. So let Jesus make you light. Let him. You were darkness. He's going to make you light. Then he's going to have you walk in the light. Notice, how do you walk as children of the light? For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Wow. This is beautiful. We are light because Jesus is light. That's John 8, 12, right? I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. And now it says that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. When you think of goodness, it speaks of a moral excellence combined with a generous spirit. When you think about somebody who's good, somebody who's got a generosity to who they are, a kindness to who they are, righteousness, of course, for the Greeks, it speaks of right living. And then truth as compared to falsehood. It speaks of genuineness or honesty. See, you and I walk in the light by the fruit of the spirit. And you can read that if you want, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. See, you and I walking in light manifests itself as fruitfulness. God is interested in fruitfulness in our lives. It's interesting, we live in a culture that values success, success at all costs. God wants fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is the outgrowth of faithfulness, isn't it? As we are continually faithful to the Lord, then the Lord makes us fruitful. You know what the problem with being fruitful is? It's not always harvest time for fruit. I mean, how many of you are going out, you love the the fall colors, but you realize that all those leaves are going to fall from the tree? Some of our lives feel that way right now. The beautiful colors of yesterday are gone, and now it's just a barren tree. But you always have to be cognizant of what season it is. Do you think winter is not necessary to the fruitfulness of spring, summer, and fall? No. It's it's, that season of barrenness fortifies the roots of a tree. But that idea of fruitfulness by the Spirit. But then again, we, we hear that we're supposed to be light. We're here that we're supposed to be fruitful. And the Apostle Paul jumps once again to a warning. Look at what it says, verse 11. But have No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we're told here, do not fellowship with darkness. Do not fellowship with with darkness. Because we are light, because we are children of light, because as verse 10 tells us, we're finding out what's acceptable to the Lord, we are living out in our lives God's acceptable plan, then we should have no fellowship with darkness, the unfruitful works of darkness. Not only should we not have participation with them, it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Wow. It's it's saying, not only don't participate, don't even talk about it. Wow. You see how serious God takes the unfruitful works of darkness? He's like, look, you shouldn't even talk about it. Those words shouldn't even pass by your lips. 
It's not even fitting for you. But what should we do rather than talk about it? Notice, but rather expose them. Notice verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. The job of the Spirit of God in the people of God is to make manifest or expose the darkness of the world. That's why Jesus in Matthew 5 asked the people of God to be salt and light. Because you know when you're in the light, you can see what's going on, right? I always use the example of those high magnification mirrors that you gals have in the bathroom. Those things are scary, right? Why are they scary? Because every single pore is exposed. Like you didn't even realize. You didn't even realize, like, you know, from a picture, like, wow, man, I'm looking pretty good today. And then you get in front of that high magnification mirror with that special light. And you're like, man, that's nasty business. And you ladies, you guys have it good because you look at that every day. Us guys, we just kind of peek at it every once in a while. And you're like, man, thank you that my wife is blind, you know? Because it's just messy, man. Like, I, you know what? You, you don't see it. Like, you see me up on these screens and stuff. I got, like, hair follicles on this whole face. Like, they're not growing up, but they're there. Now, don't, don't come at me in the family room like that. I'll be like, oh, my. But it's like, literally, I, I could have hair everywhere. I could be the, the, the bearded everything, just hair. Just call me Esau. Just hairy. You know? It's like... But that's what magnification does. It exposes what's there. And our lives as the people of God is not, we're not supposed to expose people because we've decided that we are the American idol judges of everybody to nitpick. Oh, well, that was a little pitchy. I mean, that's not really who you are. Our job is not to nitpick at people. Why? Because Jesus said we got planks coming out of our own eyes. If we're going to nitpick anyone, we should nitpick ourselves. We all have enough on our own plate with ourselves. We don't expose darkness by nitpicking. We expose darkness by being light in the world. When we love with God's pure love, lovelessness or unlovableness is seen more clearly. When we live generously, being greedy is exposed. When we live because kindness matters as kind and good people, we see unkindness and ungoodness more clearly. So our job is not to nitpick Because God is the judge and we are not and never have been and never will be. Our job is to live out light and love. And that in itself exposes what's going on. That's what we're supposed to do. So we have to be careful not to fellowship with the darkness, but instead our job is to expose. And then, of course, verse 14, it's a slamming together of Isaiah 26, 19 and 60, verse 1. This, as therefore he says... Isaiah 26, 19, and 61. And a lot of scholars believe that this is a, an early hymn, a baptismal hymn of the early church. And then the idea is, is that we do baptisms today. You're saying, hey, listen, you who sleep, awake. Be resurrected from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And that's what baptism is a symbol of, right? Somebody who's already given their life to Jesus, going down in the water, I'm, I'm dying with Jesus, and I'm being resurrected from the dead. You're telling the world and your family of faith, I've made my peace with God. I believe in Jesus. My old life's dead. I'm resurrected to new life. That's why it's there to say, I used to be darkness, but now I'm alive again. Now, verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, 
do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So verses 15 to 17, we've been told to walk in love, to walk in light, and now we're called to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Notice it says, see then that you walk circumspectly. That word circumspectly, it means to walk carefully. It means to be careful about the life that you lead. And then it says, not as fools, but as wise. That's why I say walk in wisdom. When we walk carefully through this life, we are walking in wisdom. What that means is, and and I like to use the example, and I've never had to do this, thank God, but imagine you were in a minefield, right, where where literally you're walking through a a patch of area where there's literally landmines, and if you step on that landmine, you're going to die. Some of you have been in the armed forces, you've served in different places, you've experienced this. You do not leisurely trounce through a minefield. You don't walk through a minefield the way you walk through your house in the dark, because when you walk in your house in the dark, you know where everything is, right? So you kind of know there's going to be a table there, and you kind of know where things are. But when you're walking through a minefield, you're going to turn that light on right away. You're not going to take the chance because you realize that that field that you're walking through could kill you. And guess what? We're called to walk the same way. We live in a minefield. Life is messy because people are messy and we are messy. And all it takes is one slight tough decision and we run down a course that we can't. We're like, how do we get here? Do you realize that nobody ever became an alcoholic based on one drink? Nobody ever cheated on their spouse based on one interaction. Nobody ever lied to the government about their taxes once. It begins long before that. We don't fall into sin. We walk into it. And we have to walk carefully with wisdom. When you think of wisdom, you should think of Proverbs 9.10 and Psalm 111.10. What's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we fear God, when we say, Lord, my life is lived before your all-seeing eye, and you hold me accountable for this life. That's the beginning of wisdom. And we realize we all, we have to be careful. Life can be a slippery slope. And we need to walk in wisdom. Notice how we walk in wisdom. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You can say that differently. Make the most of every opportunity. Do you realize that the the most profoundly lived lives are radically intentional. Radically intentional. If you read any of the business books, like um, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People or Peter Drucker's The Efficient uh, Executive, all these different books, Jim Collins, Good to Great, all of them speak about the need for intentionality in life. The old business saying, if you fail to plan, you what? You plan to fail. We have to be careful that we live intentional lives. We have to make the most of this life. When soon this life is passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. We have to be intentional about how we live every day. Pastor Bill's been talking to me about a book he's been reading called Change or Die. That doesn't sound like a fun book title, does it? But the premise of the book is that when people go to a doctor and they find out that their heart is clogged, most people, even though their life is on the line, will not change. 
even though it means the end of their life, they just like doing what they're, I'm going to smoke my packs a day, I'm going to eat all that stuff, and it doesn't matter. And, and the premise of the book is that if you realize that change, if you will not change, you will die. And so the title is change or die. And that's a great little phrase for that verse, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If we don't live intentionally for Jesus, we're going to live unintentionally and squander the time that we have. We don't realize how much time we have left. So we've got to make this life count while it's here. God doesn't impose intentionality on us. We either choose to or we choose not to. So we need to redeem the time. We need to make the most of every opportunity. And he says, therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the will of the Lord is that we walk in love. We walk in light. We walk in wisdom by being intentional, fearing God and saying, God, I want this life to count for something. I want to get to the end of my days and be able to say, Lord, I did what you asked me to do. I did, I lived the life that you set before me and I did it as best I know how. And then verse 18 to 21 says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So notice, we were told to walk in love as imitators of God. We're called to walk in light as imitators of God. We're called to walk in wisdom as imitators of God. And now we're told to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Check out walking in the spirit. Because it begins with, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Or that word dissipation means excess. So instead of being drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Now, I don't think the Apostle Paul is just kind of like throwing words around here. Why does he use the example of being drunk with wine? Instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because when you are intoxicated, and don't try it at home, you're under, we call it being under the influence. Like, people do dumb things when they're hammered, right? And people say, it's, I'm under the influence. And in the same way, we are not to be under the influence of alcohol. We are called to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can move us and use us under his influence to do the things that God wants for our lives. And what's interesting is this word, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's in the present continuous tense, which means be continually filled. So like, in alcohol, someone has too much to drink, but you live a lifestyle that's called being an alcoholic. We should be a spiritaholic. That's what it means. The example is that we should be continually, every single day, day in and day out, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, being continually filled over and over again. I like to say you can keep getting topped off by the Spirit. Jesus is In today's message from Ephesians 5, we found out what it means to be children of light and what it means not to fellowship with darkness. As Pastor Daniel clarified, we shouldn't participate in darkness, even while we live amidst the darkness. Our light will expose the darkness of the world, 
With God, we're walking in wisdom. We can see the minefield around us. We know how to set our feet because with Him, we illuminate the darkness. God does amazing things when we simply listen to His Word. He transforms and shapes us into His image as we are exposed to the Bible. Maybe after listening today, someone specific is on your heart. You know that this message is something they need to hear. Please log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. You can share this message to your Facebook timeline, tweet a link, or even embed the audio wherever you'd like. So log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and share this message with your family, friends, and neighbors. Now, the next time you join us here on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel continues through this series on the messiness of life through the lens of the teaching of Paul in Ephesians. This message about marriage explains why God meant marriage to be about more than human happiness. It's about His greater plan for humanity. Marriage is exceedingly hard, but infinitely beautiful. You'll see why God loves it so much. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Life's Messy next time. Until then, may God bless.